Hello, and welcome to this Solace Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We pray that God speaks to you today through this message. For more sermon content and information, visit solacechurch.com. Follow along with me as I read Matthew chapter 6, reading out of the New King James Version, verses 16 through 18. Jesus says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly." So here are the words of Jesus, and we proclaim each week after reading the scriptures that this is the word of God. Uh, And let's pray together. Lord, thanks for the gift of your word, and this morning we're just especially thankful that we get to hear from you. We've created this space for that purpose, to open up our lives, our hearts, our ears to you and your word and your work in our lives. So God, um, we invite you. We just want to pray that each individually, Lord, may we all just right now invite you into the space to speak to us. Pray you would remove, Lord, any plans of Andrew um, that would interrupt what you want to do, and I just present myself available to you, God. I ask that you would use me, that you would speak through me, and that you would teach us, Lord, your heart today on this topic of fasting. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak, and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Matthew 6, 16 through 18. Today's message is entitled, The Neglected Discipline. The Neglected Discipline. I was, I was tempted in, in regards to the topic of fasting to entitle the message, the parentheses, often neglected discipline. Um, if, if for you, fasting isn't a neglected discipline, I commend you. Um, I, I would actually love to learn from you. For me, this is, out of all the spiritual disciplines, this is one that I probably struggle with the most. Um, and so I was definitely challenged in my study of this topic. Uh, it's just, you know, regular fasting like every week is just not where I'm at right now, but I know it's where I need to be. And so I was really thankful uh, for uh, where we find ourselves. And just a reminder, this is why we as a church study the Bible and preach the Bible expositionally, meaning we go through the the books and chapters and verses of the Bible, um, allowing Scripture to lead us uh, into what Jesus would want to say to us. Uh, And when I say this, I say that to say that we mostly teach expositionally. There are times where the Spirit wants us as a church to focus on a certain topic that the Lord would give me and and our leadership to to really just zero in on. We've done that a handful of times, whether it's the topic of prayer or we do like an Advent series. Uh, Last summer we did a theology series, and there's times for that. But most of the time as a church, we want to make sure that Scripture is our compass. And and the reason why it's so important to do that is because there, there are just things in God's Word that unless we were allowing Scripture to drive our study, we just wouldn't focus on it. Like, I don't think, apart from going through the Bible expositionally, I don't think I would ever just choose to teach on fasting. Like, okay, today's message is on fasting. 
all right? How, how hip is that? That'll like have viral hits, you know, on, on Instagram or whatever, you know, like that, that's not, it's, it's, it might not be a, a topic I'm drawn to naturally. Number one, because um, I know I'm not good at it. Um, and number two, because it's just, it's not a favored focus. Like, let's think about fasting. But again, this is why letting scripture drive, letting, letting God's word be the compass is so important. It, it, it leads us, when we study the word like this, it leads us to focus on things and, and hear things from God that we would be closed off to otherwise. So we're opening up the door here to Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18 today, allowing Jesus to speak into our lives about this topic of fasting. So I'm just throwing that out there. So today when you get mad at me over the like conviction of like whether or not you fast, hey, it's Jesus. Okay. This, we're following Jesus. I'm in the same boat here. Um, but this is what, again, what we want to focus on today. Remember the context here in this sermon. Jesus in this passage, specifically chapter six, so far verses one through 18, is teaching on three specific spiritual disciplines. Three specific spiritual disciplines. Uh, There is giving to the poor, charity, prayer, and again, now fasting. Giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. These are three expected disciplines that Jesus has for his disciples. And when we say disciplines, we just mean certain rhythms and habits that mark our lives as followers of Jesus. These are habits, giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. These are habits that mark the life of Jesus and they mark his earliest followers. The idea behind disciplines, like prayer or fasting, is that they are repetitious rhythms that uh, contribute to our formation. Uh, So the idea of formation is everyone is always becoming someone. Now, I know that might seem like a very simple statement, but just wrap your mind around this real, actual, deep philosophical truth for a second. Every person, you and I, each one of us, we are always, at every moment, becoming someone. Formation is not optional. We are not static beings. We are dynamic individuals who have been created with this process and and ability for growth. And we are heavily influenced by things and thoughts and ideas. And at at any given moment, we are, are stepping towards becoming someone. The question isn't if you're becoming someone. It's who. Who are you? And who are you becoming? Now, as followers of Jesus, we, we are those who, we, 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 when we say followers, we have adopted the, the model and the life of Jesus. He's our leader. He's our teacher. And so we want to become more like him. We want his life and his way to lead our life and our way. And as a Christian, that's either going to be happening passively or actively, passively, or I should say, and or actively. Um, passively is, is, is the, the, the natural state of just how growth happens through circumstances. There's, there's just this truth that whether or not you're being intentional about your own spiritual growth, how many of us know that God still grows us? He, he brings things around us. He, he brings relationships into our lives. God is always, by his spirit, uh, producing growth and formation in our lives, But there's this other side of formation that we see in Scripture where it's God calling us to adopt certain habits, to be intentional, to be active in our pursuit of who we're becoming. And that's, again, where the spiritual disciplines come into play. 
uh, there's a a really important rule about spiritual formation, this idea of of who you're becoming in in your process uh, as a follower of Jesus. And it's this principle of repetition. Repetition. Without repetition, there is no formation. Without repetition. I mean, intentional, active formation. You can think about anything in life, right? Without repetitive practice. I think of my son Judah right now with skateboarding. Uh, I, I notice how in his life uh, as a skateboarder, um, th- there's, there's this natural growth that has happened in his ability to skate, um, but it's amazing how much faster it happens when he is regularly, repetitiously practicing. He just got some new skate ramps even for his birthday. And the repetitious habits are producing a result. W- whatever it may be, whatever it is you're practicing, same is true when it comes to following Jesus. The Christian life has been described as long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience. It's faithfulness to the ways of Jesus. It's it's really nothing new, right? A lot of times in church today, it's like we're looking for like a new, the newest insight that that I'm missing in my walk with Jesus. And here, it's like, if you're going to get an insight, it's probably going to be the Sermon on the Mount. Like, I think Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount would be where your whole life could be changed. And here Jesus is focusing on just simple habits. Like like sometimes the biggest revelation is found in the thing you haven't done yet. It's found in the thing you already know to do but haven't practiced. And that's what, what Jesus is really harping on here. These rhythms of repetition that play a major role in our formation. We call them spiritual disciplines. Um, and in this passage specifically, Jesus is talking about uh, as it pertains to prayer, giving, and fasting, Jesus is really focusing on mainly how we ought to practice these disciplines. So there's an expectation that we do pray, we do fast, we do give to the poor. But there's this also, there's this teaching that Jesus is really focusing on in regards to how we go about these disciplines, as if there's a wrong and right way to practice these things. And here we get to Jesus is teaching on this discipline, as we mentioned, fasting. Fasting. Notice what he says there in verse 16. He says, moreover, when you fast. So same three-word phrase that's used uh, in the other verses. When you pray, when you give to the poor, or when you do a charitable deed is the language. And now, when you fast, a.k.a. it's expected, when you do it, not if you fast, but when you fast, Jesus is teaching on this expected discipline. Now, he uses again this four-letter word, fast, okay? And what it might lack in its volume as a word, it really makes up for in regards to what it entails. Uh, Let's just take a moment here to start simple. What is fasting? What is fasting? Now, simply stated, when we look at Scripture, what Jesus is talking about here with fasting, simply stated, Jesus is referring here to refraining from food for a spiritual purpose, okay? This is the biblical definition, the simple definition of fasting. What is fasting? It's refraining from food for a spiritual purpose, or not eating. Let's get real simple. Not eating being hungry, feeling hungry, hunger pains, feeling that uncomfortable feeling for a spiritual 
purpose, going intentionally hungry. Now, a lot of you are like, Andrew, we all know that. But I think it's important to make that clarification. Today, in the church, there's like a little pet peeve I have. I got these sometimes. I'm sorry. And um, I'm sorry that I have to air them out here. But um, just for clarity's sake, um, today, I feel like the word fasting has come to mean anything that you refrain from, right? Like, oh, I was in a relationship with this guy, and now we're not talking. We took a little break. We're fasting from each other. It's like, well, you're refraining <laughs> from communicating, okay? Like, or I'm fasting, we're going to do a fast, you know, and uh, I think I'm going to fast from social media. Now, there are times in my life, there have been, there are times in our lives where whether it's technology, social media, coffee, I don't know, you know, there, there are times where uh, we need to refrain from something that has kind of mastering control over us, and that, that's a, that can be a good thing, and I, and I get the parallels, but we've we got to be careful that we don't sort of water down the biblical vision of fasting by using that word for things, so, you know, whatever, it's just, it might just be semantics, but I would encourage that if we're taking a break from something, okay, for the sake of it not controlling us, we could use words like refraining, okay? Um, fasting is, is only used in Scripture, as it pertains to hunger, as it pertains to food, okay? Um, the idea, again, giving up or going without food. We see this in, 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 uh, in many cases in Scripture, whether it's going without food for just a meal or going without food for a whole day, um, a week. I haven't, I've never fasted longer than a week. Uh, we see cases of people fasting upwards of 39 to 40 days, which is right around where starvation uh, kicks in. You shouldn't do that. Go beyond that. Um, but the idea there is, is refraining from food. And it could be a full fast. We see full fasting in Scripture, which is, um, could, there's, there's actually, there's absolute fasting in some cases, which I wouldn't recommend medically, uh, which is going without water or food. Uh, there's full fasting, which is going without uh, solid food and only drinking water or, or liquids, like f- real food. And then there's sometimes partial fasting in Scripture. That's, you see that in the book of Daniel. Daniel um, and his compadres, they go without uh, the king's delicacies, and they do what's commonly been referred to as the Daniel fast, which is now more of a diet than anything, but it's just eating vegetables and fruits. Um, here, here's what I, wanna, I want us to think about, okay? And today, by the way, this is going to be a teaching, if you haven't felt it yet. This is, this is like fasting 101. You know, I hope you have your notebooks out. We're learning today about what God wants to teach us about fasting. I don't have exciting points or anything today. Just a sermon about fasting, okay? Um, in Scripture, I, 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 wanted, I want you to notice this. This is something that I found to be a pretty cool uh, reminder. Uh, fasting in Scripture is one of two, one of two spiritual practices that are related to food and are central to the life of God's people. Fasting is one of, again, one of two spiritual practices related to food that is central to the life of God's people. And those two practices are feasting and fasting. Feasting and fasting. This might be one of the main reasons why I'm a follower of Jesus. It's all about food. There's so much, there is, food is such a central part of the kingdom of God. But we see this vision in the new heavens and the new earth of this wedding feast. We see Jesus on his last night with his disciples, gathered around a table, feasting. We see God commanding Israel that the way that you're to remember what I've done for you and delivering you 
It's through a meal, a meal of remembrance. Food, just like our culture, is at the very center of God, the life of God's people. Uh, this is how we do it at the Lundy House. Every gathering has food. And we, it's got to be the best food. And, and it's going to and, and take at least three hours agreeing on something, planning it out. We have a whiteboard. We chart it out. We have the map of Boca and the restaurants and the options. How many times have we gone? I'm just kidding. It's not that serious. But you, you know what it's like? I, I mean, we've got our spots. We've got them uh, pinged out. There's a, I, I, I even have, I'm a big foodie. Any other foodies? Just raise your hand if you're a foodie listening. Okay, thank you. I'm not the only one. You guys are just like, what a glutton, this guy, okay? All right. Uh, I mean, we've got our spots in Boca that we haven't been to yet. I'm, I'm trying to eat my way around the best spots here in Boca. This is my city that I love and, and just trying to enjoy all that, all that God has brought here. And um, uh, recently been turned on to a Korean barbecue place that Ben and the, the guys at the coffee shop at Maine are always raving about. You hear me preach the good news of Las Fajitas almost every Sunday, which is the worst idea because it's so small and you guys are going to pack it out, okay? All right, you're going to run it out of business. Um, or you're not, I'm not going to be able to get a table, you know? Um, but, but, Man, this is, this is also, this is the history of God's people. We see this in the early church, that when the, the, the first church, the first Christians were gathering together, one of the most holy and spiritual things that, that Acts describes them doing, alongside prayer and worship and miracles, is breaking bread. I love that. I love that. I love that feasting together, enjoying each other's company, and, and, and thanking God for the provision of food. I love that it's a central part of enjoying who God is and what he's done. Of course, there's not a better example of this than the communion table, where whether it's a glass of wine or a cup of juice, it's the bread that's broken, and it's this, this, this remembrance, this employing the senses of taste and the eyes and seeing this display, we remember the cross. We remember that Jesus' body was broken. And as we feast, we remember that his body was pinned to that tree on your and my behalf. As we partake in the drink, we remember that his blood was shed for our sins and that we are forgiven, that we are cleansed, that the gospel has worked in accomplishing our salvation, that we belong to God. And we remember this through a feast. So, so you get the point I'm belaboring here. Food, it's central to the life of God's people. Feasting, but also fasting. Two central spiritual practices. Um, there is feasting on food, and there is refraining and fasting from food. And I, and I want you to see that, that this, these two disciplines, and particularly let's focus now on our Bible studies focus, fasting is not some peripheral practice. Kind of like I think I tend to make it. I, I, a lot of times I make a collective we, but if I could just speak for myself, um, scripture and prayer, central practices in my discipleship to Jesus. But fasting is kind of like over here. It's kind of like every now and then. It's occasional. It's certainly not like in my rhythms as much as I know it needs to be. But when you look at scripture, you don't see, when you look at the whole account, you don't see fasting 
as some peripheral practice. You see it very central. You see it as a part of the life of God's people. Let's look at a couple examples of this. You can go all the way back to Israel's uh, account. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, you, f- you find fasting mentioned in the Old Testament more than, than the New Testament. And often it's congregational or collective fasts. But um, you have, you have kings and leaders calling for fast. You have God calling his people to fast. Often it's in the form of repentance. Uh, here's an example of this. It's Joel 1.14, and this is God speaking. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. As the story goes, um, not just for Israel, but also for Uh, unfortunately, the people of God even today, there is this pattern that we see with humanity in relationship with God where it's an up and down experience, walking with the Lord and then drifting away. And that's the story of Israel, walking with the Lord, honoring him, and then at times drifting away to other false gods. And oftentimes the way that God would, would call his people back to him in repentance as they're grieving the consequences of their sin is God calls them to fast, Be as hungry to be right with me as you are for food. And fast and consecrate that. And that's a consistent way that we see God's people reunited with him and reconciled in relationship with him and returned to him in the Old Testament through fasting. We also see this in the life of Jesus who who led the model life that we seek to live. And it's one of my favorite verses that describe Jesus' fasting. I I just love how awesome this scripture is, okay? This is a great verse. Matthew 4.2. Matthew gives us this great insight. He says, and when he, Jesus, had fasted 40 days, it says, and 40 nights, afterward, he was hungry. Write that down, all right? All right, insight there, go figure, okay? He didn't sleep for seven days, and afterward, he was tired, okay? So here's Matthew letting us know Jesus was hungry. Of course, he had fasted. Here's in the life of Jesus, fasting 40 days and 40 nights Uh, There's an interesting encounter that Jesus has with some Pharisees and disciples of John. So you have the disciples of John and the Pharisees in the Gospel of Mark. It tells us this, that the disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came to Jesus, so these are the disciples, they're fasting. They come to Jesus and they say to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Now this is insightful. We know Jesus, at the time of of his life that we have here on earth, Jesus practiced this rhythm of fasting. But apparently his disciples were not as into the groove and discipline as fasting. Um, and the disciples of John and the Pharisees, they noticed this. They go, hey, it's a part of our rhythm. We're, we're, we're Jews. It's a part of our heritage to fast. It's a spiritual practice. And they come to Jesus and they essentially ask him, why don't your disciples fast? And here's what Jesus says. Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as the bridegroom is with them, they cannot fast. But notice this, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. In other words, Jesus is saying, this is a time for my disciples as I am with them. This is not a time for them to fast. This is a time for them to feast. Uh, and, And that's what you see, especially in the Gospel of Luke, everywhere that Jesus goes, he, uh, it's been said about specifically Jesus' life in the Gospel of Luke that he's either going to a meal, 
he's sitting at a meal or he's coming from a meal. And he was looked on by the Pharisees and, and called a wine-bibber and a glutton because of the, the parties that Jesus would attend as a friend of sinners and the fellowship that he would keep. And this was a rhythm in his life with the disciples gathered around the table. And the reason was because the Son of God was with them. This was a time to feast and enjoy. But Jesus pointed here to a time where he wouldn't be with his disciples. And his church would be commissioned. And he says this, and then they will fast in those days. So this is that expectation of the church as we are those waiting for the return of Christ. There's the, John Piper says that fasting in the life of a believer, it's this expression of almost homesickness, crying out for God and for Jesus to return. And we see that in the book of Acts. As the church is sent out, fasting is a central part of the life of the early church, the early followers of Jesus, especially as it pertains to the apostles, the apostle Paul. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, the Bible describes how Paul's ministry, one of the marks of his ministry was fasting. It was a regular part of his life. I hope you're still with me. A lot of, lot of content, but just follow me on what the scripture is teaching about this. Acts 14 gives a, a simple example of this. Acts 14, it says, here's the, the early followers of Jesus. It says, so when they had appointed elders in every church, that's, that's, that's Paul going to the church, encouraging the church, and they're appointing leaders and elders in every church, and it says, and they prayed with fasting. The implication there is all the church and all the leaders are fasting, and then they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So, a simple case that is made here, just through four references, that fasting is a central practice, a central spiritual practice in the life of God's people. Now, with some of the examples that we just looked at, um, what we saw is what, what, what Scripture gives us um, in, with, with generally two forms of fasting. When it comes to fasting, we looked at some references, there are generally two forms of fasting in Scripture. Uh, there is a corporate or congregational form, and we also see an individual and, and personal practice of fasting. Um, in, let's start with congregational. You, again, we saw a lot of that with Israel. Most of the references to fasting in the Old Testament uh, pertain to the, the nation uh, being called to a fast together. We, we see that in the book of Acts. Um, it is an extremely biblical thing for a pastor or a leader to call a church, to call their community, to seek God through fasting. And we, we would mention this, that fasting is often accompanied with prayer, earnest prayer. We see that in Acts. Uh, in fact, there's actually record when it comes to this kind of corporate fasting. There's record of uh, three U.S. presidents, John Adams, James Madison, and Abraham Lincoln, all at one point calling for national fasts in the United States of America. Um, I would say we're due for something like that. Um, now is, is, is a great time for, as God says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and seek my face, I will hear their prayer and I will heal their, heal their land. Um, there's times in our nation's history where that has been the right move. I would say it's, would, it's due time for that as well for God's people to, to return to him in fasting. So there's this idea of corporate or collective or congregational fasting. And then there's a couple other examples of what we saw, which would be just individual fasting. All right, And that's what we see in the life of Jesus. And, and with our teaching text today, that's what we see Jesus talking about here in Matthew 6. Jesus is focusing specifically on 
individual fasting. Individual fasting. Now, when, when it comes to what Jesus is teaching about individual fasting, which is what we'll focus on for the rest of our time here, um, Jesus is teaching primarily how to fast. And I want to bring us back to our definition, okay? Uh, remember, the definition of fasting, and now think about this in your own life as an individual personal practice, this idea of refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. That, that's really what Jesus is getting at here. And th- this is one of the most, I think, Im- important reminders uh, about fasting, that there is a uh, spiritual purpose to it. There has to be, okay? I want you to think about it this way. Okay, fasting is not just a Christian thing, all right? There are major world religions, whether it be Ramadan, um, whether it be uh, Judaism, um, whatever, whatever your Christian uh, tradition, even in the Catholic Church, you have uh, days of the week by, by certain ages, you get like the green light to fast with everyone else, um, uh, fasting is not re- just uh, merely a Christian practice. Now, I believe the roots find itself in the, um, the tradition of Israel. But even today in our culture, like fasting's kind of cool now. Have you noticed this? Like fasting's a thing. Like intermittent fasting, have you heard of this, where you don't eat, you're weird, and you like don't eat for like most of the day, and then like you eat like an apple at night or something? I don't know, okay? Um, uh, but there's, uh, but, sorry, I'm sorry, but I don't mean to be so insulting. I, from what I've heard, actually, um, it's, it's very effective. Um, I haven't succeeded at it. I'm just going to say that. I've tried it. It didn't work because I didn't allow it to. Um, but, um, you know, fasting as just a practice is, is a very common part of even our culture. I remember a time when it wasn't that way. I, I mean, intermittent fasting was more like an underground thing. I remember like, uh, this was like 11 or 12 years ago, I, I had a retail job. I used to work at a vitamin store. And I was a new Christian, and I was fasting, and I was so awkward about it, too, because, like, I remember Jesus said, like, don't make a big deal about it. And uh, it was a time 12 years ago, I felt like in our culture, where it was more foreign, like you're not eating. So I remember my boss, who was definitely, um, by every metric, wasn't a believer, um, the Lord knows, um, but uh, I remember him like, hey, I'm going to grab, it was like, I remember, too, like, he was getting lunch for all the guys, you know, and he's like, Lundy, what do you want? And I was just like, Oh, I was, so, I was like, oh, I'm good. Why? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's like I was, I, for some, <laughs> I was so weird. I couldn't, I, it, I like, and so then eventually they're like, wait, so what, you're not eating? Are you, did you already eat? And I'm like, no. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, you should eat. Like, do we, are you in trouble? Like, you know, are you on a hunger strike? Like, are you trying to get a promotion or a raise? Like, what's going on? And um, finally I was like, I said, I'm like, you know, um, it's part of my religion. I think I said something like that. Um, And so, like, I'm not eating. And I remember them looking at me like, why? Like, what? I remember the one guy said, like, man, that's weird. In my religion, we just eat fish some days of the week. He's like, he's like, I like mine much better, you know? I remember him saying that, you know? But, but there there can, there can, there was this kind of foreign uh, nature to it back then, where today it's a lot more common. Um, But I I think I just want to mention that to say that with this definition, the spiritual purpose component is what Jesus is really getting at in our passage. This is the most important part of fasting. Not if you're doing it, but why. Understand it this way. Fasting without an intentional spiritual purpose is just dieting. Right? 
There's got to be more than just I'm not eating, but I'm not eating because I'm seeking for this, or I'm hungry for this, or I'm pursuing this. Fasting without a spiritual purpose is just dieting. And Jesus is getting here in this passage at the heart of fasting. Getting back to the heart of fasting, we we see these Pharisees so far from God's heart. Their purpose, and they had a, a purpose for their fasting, a spiritual purpose, but it was the wrong one. Their own purpose was attention from man. Fasting had lost its intensity. For the Pharisee that Jesus is talking about here, it had lost its purpose and it had become an opportunity to show off how spiritual they were. So so Jesus describes somebody who's fasting and they're letting everybody know it by their demeanor. Okay, they're like, I'm so hungry. My gosh, that looks delicious. Too bad I can't eat it. Why? Oh, because I'm fasting, okay? And so it'd become this whole show thing. It'd become, it was about showboating and, 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 and showing off some sense of spirituality, and Jesus is like, that is not the purpose behind fasting. So much so that he says, man, when you fast, keep it a secret, right? If your prerogative is to let as many people know as possible and wear your hunger on your face, you're missing the heart of it. And this isn't just a Pharisee who's... Um, Stepped on the speaker. This isn't just a Pharisee who's missing the heart of fasting. This goes back to the history of Israel. There's a, a really interesting passage in Isaiah 58 where God is calling out the people of God for really missing the, the intensity and the purpose behind fasting. And I'm going to close by talking about it. But they had reduced fasting to just like a checklist. Um, and we, we all can fall into the same temptation where we have spiritual activity without spiritual intensity, which ends up being hypocrisy. It's activity without intensity. It's, it's just doing it to do it, but there's no heart. There's no meaning. It's a form of godliness, but there's a lack of power in it. There's a lack of purpose in it. And so I want you to see this. Let me just read this to you. Isaiah 58. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen Why have we afflicted our souls? We're so hungry, and you have not taken notice. In fact, in the day of your fast, God says, you find pleasure, and you exploit all your laborers, your employees. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. You're missing the point of fasting, he's saying. It is a fast is, sorry, he says, he asks this question, is this a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a, flat, a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is what you've made fasting to look like? And this, is, this predates the Pharisee. Is this acceptable to me? Is this what I'm looking for? Now look at what God says. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not that you share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, and when you see the naked that you cover him and do not hide and not hide your, yourself from your own flesh? That you're, then He says this, when you do this, when this is your fast, then your light shall break forth in the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you will call, when you fast in the right way, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. What, what a, a cool hope to have. 
When you cry out to God, he'll say, yep, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of finger and the speaking of wickedness. So you see how far Israel had got. They were doing spiritual things to check them off their list, but God is like, you're neglecting my heart. Yeah, you're, you're fasting, but you're neglecting the poor. You're fasting, but you're exploiting your laborers. You're fasting, but you're bypassing and walking right past those in need. You're missing my heart, the spiritual purpose behind fasting. So, man, that, that is just some big, underlaying, important uh, uh, scaffolding and foundation for us to see God's heart for fasting is for a great spiritual purpose. It's not just activity, but it's for intensity. Now, uh, to close out this, let, let me uh, unpack some of those. So if right now you see that Scripture, as we've looked at, you see that Scripture has fasting as a central practice, uh, and, and you see that, that it, it's to be done with a, a real intent and spiritual purpose as unto the Lord, not to man, but something that is done as 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 having the, uh, God's heart behind it, a question you might ask is then why? Like, why or when should I fast? What are some things in my life that would call me into fasting? Or, or if I start adopting fasting as a rhythm, as important as prayer, maybe it's one meal a week or one day a month, or, or, what, or maybe, it's a, a, maybe there's a time in your life where God wants you to, to, to commit a, a two to three day fast and, and really seek him. Uh, in that time. What would be the purpose? We're talking about the emphasis of a spiritual purpose. What are some uh, important purposes for fasting? Uh, a few, and this is where we close out. The f- uh, first one I would recommend is just to, to see spiritual growth as a main reason for fasting. Spiritual growth. Uh, we know that um, in our journey of spiritual growth that there is a war happening at all times within us. There's also a war happening without us, okay? Outside of us, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's a war for our spiritual growth on the outside, but there is, according to Galatians, a war that happens on the inside. Uh, Galatians 5 says, uh, Paul writes, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh Flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Has your flesh ever gotten in the way of you doing the thing that you wish? Okay? Has, has you, you, uh, the way that Jesus said to Peter is, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Okay? And spiritual growth, it, 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 play, it fleshes itself out on the battlefield of the flesh and spirit. Walking in the spirit, which is at war with the cravings and the desires of the flesh, so much so that to walk in Jesus, to grow in a life filled with the spirit, means that I grow in the spirit's power to deny the flesh. Uh, So I want you to see even Jesus' own call to discipleship. It's in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, 
and follow me. So, so Jesus describes that, that a life of discipleship to him is a life of self-denial, denial of the flesh. The idea here is that I don't allow my flesh to dictate my decisions, but I have denied my own right to that, and I let Jesus be the one who leads me and his spirit be the one who leads me. Uh, but to do that, there has to be some sacrifice. So there's this constant experience in the Christian life as the, the spirit is leading me in the flesh is restricted me. God is calling us to a life of the Spirit. It's a life of, of denying the flesh. And I love the way Paul says it in Romans uh, 13. He says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and look at this verse, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill in its lust. So let's just back up for a second and think about this, okay? Every moment of every day, our flesh is making demands, it's craving things, and oftentimes they're not bad things, they're good things that God has given. At other times, they aren't good things, they're corruptions of what God has given, they're sinful desires. There's, uh, the Bible says that we are tempted when we are drawn away by our flesh towards evil desires, cravings. Discipleship to Jesus is the God-given ability to not allow my flesh to drive, to not um, be mastered by my flesh, but to instead master it, to be in, in what the scripture calls self-control, and to not make provision for everything that my body wants, okay? This is discipleship to Jesus, not giving my flesh everything it asks for, but obeying everything Jesus asks of me. And, and fasting, I want you to think about fasting then, fasting is an exercise, in self-denial, okay? It's, it's an exercise in spiritual growth. What fasting says is I'm going to starve my flesh to feed my spirit. So, so I want you to just look at your life right now and that, as it pertains to Galatians 5, the flesh and the spirit. Are you starving your flesh and feeding your spirit? Or, or maybe have you been stuck in this pattern of starving and quenching the spirit? Because you've been feeding and feeding your flesh. Who's the one in control? Who's mastering your life? Is it your flesh or is it the spirit? Now, I want to just submit to you that the Holy Spirit is a must, much better master than the flesh. And fasting is a way to, in a lot of ways, break patterns. It, it breaks patterns of indulgence. It breaks patterns of, of, of just providing everything my flesh craves. Um, uh, and so that, that's, I would say that's the first way to think about this, spiritual growth in that regard. Uh, the second thing that I would say about uh, fasting, another purpose for it, is just spiritual insight. So spiritual growth, denying my flesh. Some of you need to maybe hit a reset button, and, and maybe because you've been just in the flesh, maybe for you, you need a day to fast just to return to the Lord. And say, God, I've been giving my flesh everything at once. I, I want to feed my spirit. I'm just going to come to you. And instead of eating today, I'm just going to eat your word. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going I'm to sow in the spirit, not in the flesh. Uh, spiritual insight's another big one. We see this in scripture. Acts 13 shows us this, um, that there's this correlation between hearing the spirit speak clearly and fasting. Uh, Acts 13 says, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Notice this, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, as they fasted, the Holy Spirit said. You see that? As they fasted, the Spirit said. 
Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I had called them. Now this is uh, Saul and Barnabas who would be obviously knows, comes to be known as the Apostle Paul. This is his calling into ministry, a beautiful moment. But it was birthed out of this, um, the Spirit speaking into a moment of fasting. There's the church there ministering to the Lord. They're fasting and they're saying, God, I want to empty myself of me. And I want to just be fully available to hear your voice. I want to hear you speak to me. Now, it's important not to think about fasting as like a manipulative tool, okay? Like, it's the algorithm. Like, you're trying to make a decision right now, and you want God to speak to you. And you're like, oh, I haven't fasted. And if I just put the fasting quarter in the vending machine of God, I will get my answer, you know? And it's really, it's really important not to think about fasting as a prayer manipulator. But in Scripture, the way John Piper says it is, is fasting is more of a prayer intensifier. Not a manipulator, but an intensifier. What, what fasting expresses is, God, I am more hungry to hear you speak to me than I am even to eat. I'm more hungry for your word than I am even, have you, ever been, have you ever been so hungry to hear God talk to you, lead you, speak to you that you didn't even eat? You, you were more hungry for him than you were for food. That's the idea here. Jesus models this when he's fasting those 40 days and Satan comes up to Jesus, doesn't he? And says, hey, turn, turn those, th- that stone to bread. You know, you could have food in a moment. I know you can do miracle working signs. But Jesus answered and said, Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, now Jesus doesn't say that man shall not live by bread. Okay? You, you need food to, to, to physically survive. Okay, But he says, but not by physical things alone. There's got to be more to the source of my life than what's physical. I must have space in my life for the Spirit of God to speak and lead. And fasting is this practice that, that op- it's almost like I'm tuning my ear, God, to what you want to say to me. Not manipulating, but intensifying in prayer. Looking to, to make room for your word. Not living just by bread alone, but I'm hungry not just for food, but for the food of what you want to say to me. So spiritual insight. I love this quote about fasting by David Maths, who uh, was a contributor to DesiringGod.com, a great article on fasting. He says, fasting is a desperate measure for desperate times among those who know themselves desperate for God. Fasting is a desperate measure for desperate times among those who know themselves desperate for God. If right now you are facing a big decision, if right now you are looking for direction in your life, rather than just trying to analyze and, and, and walk your way into it, just stop. Maybe you, this is a time where you need to make yourself and know yourself desperate for God. And fasting is a great, great way to express that. All right, spiritual growth, spiritual insight. We close with this last one, a really important one. Another reason why to fast is spiritual breakthrough. Spiritual breakthrough. Uh, and, and listen, these are, this is not exhaustive. There are, there's a book I read recently uh, as I was studying for this that, that listed 10 biblical purposes for fasting, okay? Here's three, because we can't handle at this point more than probably a three-point sermon, but, but uh, just, just three. You, you could look onto these, but these, are, I think, are some really important ones. Uh, spiritual breakthrough. Um, the idea of, of spiritual breakthrough, what we're talking about here in fasting, is, is what we would think about is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. 
Um, 2 Corinthians 10, Paul's reminding us that the spiritual life is not a playground, it's a battleground, that every living moment and every decision, everything we're navigating is within the greater context of a spiritual war that we're called to fight in. We're called to enlist ourselves of soldiers, as soldiers in God's army. And, and Paul makes this reminder in 2 Corinthians 10, he says, For though we walk in the flesh here on earth, he reminds us that in Christ we do not war according to the flesh. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Uh, there, there's a great example of this in the life of the disciples in the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. Jesus is up on a mountain called the Mount of Transfiguration as, with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And he is literally being transfigured, transformed. The, the inside, the truth of who he is is coming to the outside and they're seeing this bright beaming light, the glory of Jesus that is concealed in flesh is being revealed. And they get this incredible vision up on the mountaintop of Jesus. And while that's happening up on the mountaintop, you have a few of his reluctant, frustrated disciples who didn't get invited up on the mountain. And they're there at the base of the mountain. And there's this boy that a father brings to Jesus' disciples. There's a reputation that Jesus has empowered his disciples to heal to cast out sicknesses and demons. And this is a boy who is inflicted with an evil spirit, causes him to foam at his mouth. I imagine the, the, the heart of this dad being desperate, brings him to the disciples. And as Jesus comes down from the mountain, he gets the news from the father who says, I brought my son to your disciples, but they could not help him. In fact, what, what uh, Matthew tells us that they do is when they try to uh, cast the demon out of him, when he, when he doesn't get delivered, what they start doing is they start having a theological debate as to why it didn't work. They start, in other words, waging war in the flesh. They start trying to use human reason. Okay, well, this is, well, maybe this is, and they start overanalyzing. They start trying to overcome their obstacles with carnal means, with human reason. Jesus shows up. He says, oh, you have little faith. He delivers the boy performs the miracle, sets this, this, this boy free of this oppressive, possessive spirit. And then he has a ministry debrief with his disciples. <laughs> okay, and I imagine they don't have their chins up in this debrief. They enter a house, and Mark tells us this. It says that when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And, and Jesus says, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Isn't that interesting? Um, there are just some things in life that are impossible to break through in the flesh. Most of your Christian life has probably co come to that, that wall that you've hit where you're, you're seeking breakthrough. You're seeking an answer to this prayer. You're seeking victory from this uh, uh, addictive pattern. You're seeking salvation. You're seeking some kind of thing. He says this kind, whatever the kind is, this kind, it has to do with an impossible odds. It has to do with a pattern and a history of impossibility. And Jesus is reminding his disciples here that the way that we wage war as those as followers of Jesus is not in our own flesh, but there are weapons that God has given us. Fasting and prayer, it's a weapon for warfare. It's a weapon that gives way to breakthrough. Jesus says this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. Again, not a manipulator. Not like, oh, that's why I haven't had my prayer request answer. I, I've only prayed and read my Bible. Now I'm going to do the algorithm. 
right, and solve the Rubik's Cube of my prayer request. And now I'm going to pray, fast, read, fast, pray. Is that the order? Okay, or pray, you know, or is it go to church? Fa- okay. You know, that, that's not the idea. But again, it's a spiritual intensifier. When, when I pray in fasting, it's an expression of deep desire. God, I desire you more than food. I'm seeking you, and here's a tangible, practical way that I'm doing that. Man, what is something that you have been contending for spiritually? Personal victory, the salvation of a loved one. Um, man, I think about the revival of our, of our community, the revival of our nation. Maybe it's a broken relationship that you're contending for it to be reconciled, whatever it may be. There are some things, Jesus said, this kind, it only comes through prayer and fasting. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, for breaking through things that no human ever can. So fasting, Fasting. I called it the neglected discipline because that's often what it is. But my prayer through, through our time here, and I'll invite the worship team to come up and close us, is that through looking at what God's word says about, about this, we would feel excited and invited into something really cool. Uh, the opportunity to just be, of course, walk more in the life of Jesus, but through fasting, I, I'm, I'm stepping closer in seeking him. I'm shifting a gear. I'm turning up the intensity of my spiritual life. So where are you at today? And where does fasting need to play a role in your life? Uh, Maybe for you, fasting just needs to become a more regular rhythm. Like when it comes to spiritual growth, it just needs to become something more prioritized. Whether it's a meal a week or or a day a month or a a two to three day fast, maybe that's where you're at. Uh, but maybe, again, just a regular rhythm. Maybe for you, fasting, um, it, it needs to be something that you employ as you're trying to navigate life right now. And you, you've been doing it on your own, whether it's, it's seeking to hear from God or, or it's, it's praying for something or some kind of breakthrough. Jesus calls us to fast in how we seek him. Maybe for a lot of you, it's that reset, like, you recognize today that fasting is so far from a pattern in your life because of how deep you are in indulgence, how deep you are in providing for the flesh. And maybe you're not, right now you're like, man, where do I even start? Like with, with refraining from food, maybe you're like, I haven't even been refraining from obvious sin. What do I do with that? Where do you go with that? Well, The most important thing I can remind you of every Sunday morning here is that you go to the same place each and every time. You go to the same person each and every time with wherever you're at. We all, no matter where we're at, we're we're, we're all going back to the same source. It's been said that Christians, man, we're just beggars showing other beggars where to get the bread. Jesus is the source. He's the one we need to come to. If you're right now recognizing that you have just been stuck in a pattern of the flesh where you're unable to do what the Spirit is leading you to do, come to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus, you see him giving up. Talk about self-denial. He gave up his own life for you and I to be saved and filled with his Spirit. So come to him and bring your sin with you and cast it before him. Ask him to forgive you and cover you for your wrongs. And what you'll find is a God of love and grace, not judgment and wrath, but a God who poured out his wrath on his son 
so that you could be accepted. And there's Jesus welcoming you as an accepted and beloved child of God. That's what the gospel says. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. And so my encouragement for us is as those who have gospel identities rooted in what Christ has done for us, we would also begin to pick up gospel activity, that we would walk in the way of Jesus. So uh, fasting being one of those. Let's close out our time as always just thinking about the Lord, singing to him. Uh, Let's let these songs guide us as we close in worship.